Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. On March the 23rd, 1775, I wasn't there. (laughs) Just hit me that I should make that clear. It's March 23rd, 1775, there was a meeting held at St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia, and there were representatives from all over the the colonies here in the New World uh, gathering together. Uh, Two of the most notable uh, attendees were George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, and uh, one of the lesser known but soon to become well-known was an attorney named Patrick Henry. And in this this meeting, they were trying to decide what they were supposed to do with how England was treating the colonies and how they felt it was unjust and actually unlawful, they felt. And and so they were uh, going back and forth debating about whether they needed to more strongly resist or whether they needed to just wait a little longer because they felt that King and England were going to, you know, finally come around and do better. And so uh, this is what was going on until uh, Patrick Henry decided to speak. And when he stood to speak, he spoke so passionately that one Baptist preacher who was present said that he had an unearthly fire in his eyes. And he, he spoke and proclaimed what his beliefs were about what should be happening and what was actually going on. Uh, nobody says that he spoke without notes uh, and that, uh, you, you know, just silent while he was speaking. And there's no written transcript. And yet what he said was so indelibly marked in the minds of those who were there is that his speech was remembered and written down by others. And his biographer records his words in this speech, and as he comes to the conclusion, here's what he says to those who are gathered. He says, the war is actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, what? Give me liberty or give me death. And It said that the delegations, they were silent for several minutes. They just sat silently. No one feeling like they could add anything to what he had said. And so we see here, the American experiment is is now immediately linked with this concept of liberty, this concept of freedom. Fifteen months later, the Declaration of Independence was written and ratified, uh, and it began with these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, 
that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then they went through their grievances and why they were uh, declaring independence, and they get down to the end and they conclude with these words. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in General Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free. Free. And so freedom is inseparably intertwined with the vision of what America is supposed to be. I mean, pretty much any place you go and listen to a political speech, at some point they're probably going to mention what? Freedom. And yet I would suggest to you that in our society today, we have kind of lost track of what freedom is really about. So what is it about? Because it, freedom is about a whole lot more than the United States of America. If we start with a materialistic worldview, and by that, let me explain, by material, I mean, materialism is saying that all that exists is the atoms, right? The particles that make up the atoms and the electrons and then the coming together the molecules, the chemistry of the, of the universe, that's all there is. Just stuff, material stuff. And everything has happened by random chance accident. Well, first of all, just to be clear, if, if there's no difference between me and a dog and the grass and a rock and a tree, this is meaningless today, right? I'm not saying anything meaningful. You're not hearing anything meaningful. Now, obviously, our experience says otherwise, doesn't it? I mean, I know there might be doubts occasionally when I'm speaking these days. Is that meaningful? I don't understand what he's saying. But other than that, we're exchanging ideas. We have a consciousness and awareness. But when it comes to freedom, if that is the only difference, there's no difference between me and the rock because it's just a materialistic universe. What is freedom about? There is no freedom, is there? There's no basis for freedom. All that I'm doing right now, in fact, is I'm just a complex chemical reaction that's moving and vibrating and the air's vibrating, which is causing your ears to vibrate, which is causing electrical chemical responses. And that, that's all we are. Their freedom is irrelevant because guess what you do? You do what your stuff does. There is no freedom. So if we look to world religions to say, what is freedom about? Well, you know, a huge world religion is Hinduism and the Eastern religions. Uh, and in Hinduism, the human being is not valued. Not really. And if the human being is not valued, then freedom isn't a thing. You understand that in Hinduism, cows are more free, have more freedom than human beings. The sacred cows. And I'm not trying to, to be mean to Hindus. That isn't the point. I'm just saying within the Hindu religion, there is no foundation for human freedom. No reason for people to be free. Uh, if we go to Islam, uh, once again, the, the, their, their laws and their view of how things are supposed to go is way more important than human beings and their freedom. And the more radical Islam is, the more we see that human freedom is not 
something that is valued there. It doesn't flow out of that. And so I think what you will find if you search this out is that really it is only in Christianity that we have a reason to believe in freedom. It's only in Christianity that we find the value of human freedom because Christianity presents to us a foundation for human freedom. And if we understand what God has said in the beginning about this, right, that we are free, it's going to make a whole lot more sense when we talk about our freedom. So let's go to the Word of God. And by the way, do you notice that, you know, if I can encourage you to take a lesson, if, if you're watching and you're wondering who we are and what we're about, do you notice that almost, pretty much, well, we do it to some extent every week, but we always talk about an issue or what's going on in life or how, you know, what it's like to live as a human being in, in different situations. And we always say, so what's, what's the solution or what's the answer, what's the foundation, why? And what do we do? We do what? We go to the Word of God. And that's, that's what we're doing here again today. So let's do this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, right there in the beginning of the Bible. And if you're using the Bible that's in the chairs, the, the page numbers will be on the screen up there behind me. In Genesis chapter 1, God has created all things. On the end of the sixth day, he creates human beings. Let's read about this, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What we see here is that God has given an assignment to human beings. Now, understand this. When God tells them, okay, exercise dominion, rule the earth, do this with the earth, do that. You know, rule over the earth in my image as my representative. Do you see how that freedom is included in that? Because they are being told what to do, but they have to do what? They have to choose what to do. Today they have to make a decision about how am I going to do that, human beings. How are we going to do what God has told us to do? To exercise dominion means I have to make choices. And so right here in the very beginning, even though he never says freedom, what we see is that God has made man with freedom to choose to do, okay? And so when you look up what freedom is, I read the definitions and I'm always kind of like, yeah, I don't know, I think so missing here, but so this is a, a definition that incorporates some of those things, but really this is a definition that I've tried to draw out of what God says about it. True freedom is having both the God-given ability and authority to make the choices entrusted to you. Okay? And that's what we see here. God has given man the ability to make these choices. He made him in his image. 
capable of making these choices. And then he gave them the authority to do so. Okay, he gave them dominion to exercise that dominion. Now this idea of the choices entrusted to you is, is kind of an important idea because there are areas that we might like to have freedom that God has not entrusted to us. Okay, how about the law of gravity? Yeah. I might think I should be free from the law of gravity. And so I jump off the roof. Am I free from the law of gravity? I might think I am until I hit the ground, right? We aren't free in that sense. Another thing I want you to understand is that God has not entrusted to us other people's freedom. In other words, I can't make somebody else believe anything. They must choose to believe. I can't, I might be able to physically force somebody, but I can't make them choose to do what I think they ought to do. And that's the way God has set up freedom. But the heirs that he has entrusted to us, most of the decisions of our lives, he has given us freedom. He's given us the ability to see that there's a choice to be made. He's given us the ability to make a choice. And then he has given us the authority to make those choices. And we'll see there's another word that really needs to go in the mix here, which we will get to. Let's go to chapter two. God has made man, and now he places him in, in the Garden of Eden. And then he gives him some instructions. Verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Okay? For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely eat die. So God has put Adam into the Garden of Eden and he's gave him instructions, hasn't he? You can eat of any of the trees of the garden except for this one. Don't eat of that. The day that you eat of it, you will die. Now, did Adam have freedom to choose to eat what he wanted to eat? Yes. He did. Okay. He had the freedom to make that choice. Based on what God is saying here, let's think. Did Adam have the freedom to choose to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Yes, otherwise it was meaningless for God to tell him, don't do it. He had the freedom to choose to obey God or to disobey God. And this is something that we learn about freedom from a biblical perspective. Apart from freedom, the concept of obedience is meaningless. You talk about obedience, somebody has to choose to obey. They have to choose not to disobey. And so human freedom, that is part of what has been entrusted to us. You get to choose whether you obey or don't obey. Now, don't even begin to think that those things are on the same level, those choices. They aren't. So there's another thing we need to see. God says, yes, here you can freely eat of all these. Do not eat from this. You have to choose because if you choose this, here's what's going to happen, right? If you choose to disobey me, there's going to be death that's going to come into the world. 
You're going to, and he doesn't say the details here, we pick up the details later, but he says you're going to die spiritually. Your soul is going to begin to be corrupted by this death, and eventually your body is going to die. And if you don't have a right relationship when you die, there's going to be a second death, a spiritual death for all eternity. Okay? But so, apart from freedom, the concept of obedience is meaningless. Now, true freedom does not disconnect us from the consequences of our choices. Okay? I would suggest to you that we live in a society today and we can be guilty of it ourselves. I always want to be careful about those, talk about those people out there because you know what? Lots of times those people are out there are us people in here too. But there's a, a tendency, this human tendency, and, and it is, I said, it's because of the worldviews of, of what's that are prevalent in our society and culture, and that's this. Freedom means that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want, however I want, and there should be no consequence, right? Isn't that sort of what people think about? I have freedom, I can do whatever I want, right? And there should be no consequence. But when we go to the scripture and see, we understand that freedom is always connected to consequences the consequences of our choices. You see, because God has built into creation this law, this principle, whatever you want to call it, the law of sowing and reaping, right? And really, this is this idea of freedom. You have a choice about what you sow, what kind of seed you sow. If you go plant a garden, you decide, do I want to grow radishes or not? Do I want to grow onions or not? Do I want to grow pumpkins or not? Do I want to grow asparagus or not? Do I want to grow kale? No. Kale. I'm kidding. I do eat kale. But anyway. But that is we have a choice, don't we? But if I don't plant corn, guess what? Corn's not coming up. If I do plant corn, corn comes up. And see, this is the idea, I'm, I'm freely choosing. I'm using my human freedom to make a choice. Now, the same thing is in our life, this idea of low, sowing and reaping. If I choose to commit adultery, guess what comes with that? The consequences of that choice. I'm free to choose it, but I get all the consequences. I get the personal guilt and shame and overwhelming sense of what have I done. I get the sense of, of uh, the damage, not da I get the consequences of the damage that it does to a marriage relationship, how it affects my children and grandchildren and everybody who knows me. All of those consequences are inevitably attached to that choice, aren't they? Okay, I can choose to steal, I'm free to do so. But the consequences of that come with it. I am free to eat as much as I want, whenever I want. Are there consequences attached to that? Yeah. At some point there sure are. Okay, my money and my possessions, I'm free to, and I'm not gonna trust God. I'm, I'm choosing to stay, I'm gonna trust me, and I'm gonna hold on to my money, and I'm not gonna be generous with God. No, no, no. And that changes you, you know? And so we reap the consequences. But the good news about the law of sowing and reaping and this idea of consequences, I can make better choices, can't I? I can choose to be faithful to my wife and not commit adultery. And, and even in my thinking, as Jesus talks about, you know, work hard and to be faithful to her and love her and invest in her. And guess what? The consequences, we usually think it's a negative word. It's not necessarily. The consequences of that are good, aren't they? 
If I choose instead of stealing from you to love you and help you, the consequences from that are good. If I choose to trust God with my money, the consequences are good. But we ought to always understand that the freedom that God has given us to use, the ability to make choices, the authority to make those choices, come with consequences. Okay, and we need to include that in our decision, in our use of freedom. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Do you start to see how the first few chapters of Genesis are so crucial for a foundation, a for a biblical worldview, right? Even something like freedom. So here we go, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, now the serpent was more cunning so let me just say to you, if this is new to you, um, that the serpent here is really, it's Satan, okay? Satan in the form of a serpent, most likely, but he's referred to elsewhere later in the scriptures, that old serpent. So it's clearly through this serpent, Satan is speaking to, to Adam and Eve. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now we have no reason to believe God actually said, nor shall you touch it. That's a whole nother sermon, okay? But anyway. She's saying, no, we're not supposed to eat of that, of this one tree. Then the serpent said to the woman, he lies directly to her, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God and knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband who was there with her and he ate, okay? So let's stop there. I want you to see something. They had a choice, didn't they? God had already talked to them about this choice. They had a choice to make. Are we going to obey or are we going to disobey God? And they used their freedom to choose to disobey. God allowed it, didn't he? Okay, so here's another thing we understand. That God allows man to use his freedom to choose to obey or disobey. I know I've already said that two or three times. But understand it. God allows us to make that choice. And there are consequences attached to those choices. But he lets us make those choices. But this is going to be important for you to understand in, in a little bit as we just touch on a broader issue today. So let's read on. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Uh, let's jump down to verse 16. This is God talking to Eve and then to Adam. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. He shall rule over you. In other words, you're going to want this relation that you, should, you try to get to him, but instead he's going to rule over you. He's going to rule over you by dominating you or by ignoring you. 
Verse 17, then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Man, what a mess, huh? So they use their freedom, they make a choice to disobey God. Immediate result, their own awareness, their own shameful awareness of their guilt. It says their nakedness, this, 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 they're divided now from each other. There's, I'm, I go into hiding from you and you go into hiding from me. Has that created any problems in our world? The fact that, in fact, next week, my intention is to, plan, to preach on taking off the masks. Because the fall here, we do what? We cover up. Anyway, the second, they, they go into hiding, not just from each other, they go into hiding from God. Okay, and people go into hiding from God all the time. Not a good thing. Okay, and then we see the, all the trouble that, that has come into life for, for uh, the woman and childbearing and us raising children, the difficulties that are there and the relational difficulties in a marriage. And um, then we see for Adam, the very creation itself has been affected negatively in the hardships that come with us. So when Adam and Eve sinned, that opened the door to every evil, bad thing in the whole world for the rest of human history. It opened the door to that. I mean, consider this. In Romans chapter eight, it says this, for the creation was subjected to futility. The bondage of corruption, the whole creation groans and labors. And then human beings affected. In Romans five, it says this with Adam. It says, through one man, sin, entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Did God let man choose this? Why would God let man choose this if all of this was going to happen? So that's a, that's a big question, isn't it? Did God know? Yes. Yes. Did he know what would happen if Adam and Eve disobeyed? He know that, knew that all this would come in the world? And he still let them choose? Well, we learn something here about God and how he sees freedom. God highly values freedom. He must, huh? For it to be worth this. Freedom must really, really matter to God for him to allow all that has happened. Well, I want to suggest to you that it does really, really matter. And, and here's some things we need to understand about this. That without true human freedom, there is no responsibility. There's no obedience. There's no love. There's no faithfulness. There's no honoring God. There's no glorifying God. And we could add to the whole list. Because if I do not have the freedom to do what God says, can I obey him? 
I guess I could obey him only in the sense if you make a little wind, you do, build a little wind-up toy and wind it up and then it does what? It does its thing. But is that obeying? No. Is it exercising responsibility? If, by the way, is being a responsible person a good thing? Yes, all over the whole world, every world religion, all the philosophies will say yes, being responsible is a good thing. Okay? It doesn't exist if there's no freedom because nobody can choose to be responsible. There's no obedience. There's no love. You know, if you create a robot, a life-size robot that looks like a real person and you program it so it says, I love you. Does it love you? It is merely a mechanical device following its program. No, and, and so would you want your husband or wife to say, you know, somehow rather they had a little string on the back of their neck and you go over and every now and then pull it and it goes, I love you. Mm, I love you. Or would you want them to freely choose to love you? You see, there is no love apart from human freedom. There is no faithfulness. Faithfulness is a wonderful quality. We talk about someone such as a faithful human, a faithful mother, a father, a faithful husband, a wife, a faithful worker, faithful whatever. There is no faithfulness if people aren't free to make choices. And there's no honoring God, obviously. There's no glorifying God because we aren't making any choices to do so. We aren't free to make that choice. But I'm saying to you that God did make us free. He gave us the ability he created us in his image and gave us the ability to make choices, free choices. And then he gave us the authority to make free choices. And so, yes, is there evil in the world? Is there? Hard stuff, bad stuff, sad stuff, mean stuff, hurtful stuff, yes. But God believed it was crucial that we be free so that we could experience these other things with him and with each other. Very meaningful, very meaningful. All right, so we see these foundational things about freedom. Um, let me just check something for a moment. I wanna make sure something, because I don't wanna leave this out. Yes. So, this being the case, how God views freedom and the fact that he would allow bad things to come because of, this is the only way that the good things can come if people are free to make those choices. In our society, and this is sort of a side note, okay? If I could put this in like brackets on the side. In our society, there is a tendency these days to think that the solution to our problems is to take away people's freedom. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, you, no, no, I'm sorry, you aren't free to believe that. No, you can't believe that. No, you aren't free to say that, you can't say that. No, you aren't free to do, you, can, you know, and to really begin to try to restrict. Now, now, all law at some point is saying, there's always going to be something to say, if you use your freedom this way, the, this consequence comes, right? We understand that. But I think if we have anything to say about it, 
We ought to always encourage that, yes, we have to address problems with the fourth, but we need to do our best as best we can to preserve people's freedom as we deal with these issues. Now, they may not care reasons why, but the reality is God highly values human freedom and believes that men ought to be free to choose. And by the way, even if they make a law and say you can't believe, you can, they might throw you in jail because you believe it. You know, the consequences. But anyway, so I just think in a society that we really ought to think about this, that the solution is not to take away people's freedom. And you'll see where we're going to go. We're going to address a bigger issue that would help with this. Just a minute. But the other thing is this. There is also within our culture the, the tendency to think that Christians want to take away people's freedom. Could that be true? Could there be some Christians who want to do that? Yeah, there sure could. I understand that. But I want you to think about it. I mean, I, I know for a fact of a missionary named Sam Thomas who serves in India, and he has preachers out there in the, the bush, you know, preaching, teaching, and I find out that, that Hinduism, they will beat people and kill people who don't believe in Hinduism. And do we know that the more radical forms of Islam will coerce you, force you, right, at gunpoint to become a, a Muslim? Right, so what I'm trying to say to you is that that is, it's not Christianity anywhere because Christianity, you only become a Christian because you are persuaded to do so, right? So Christianity is not coercive. Christianity is not authoritarian. But I would say to you that materialism and false religions and philosophies are almost always, they become authoritative, authoritarian. Okay? Christianity is a view that supports human freedom. And another word that goes along with this. Okay, so God has given us the ability and the um, authority to make choices that he's entrusted to us. But for Christians, there's something else we need to know. For Christians, freedom is not about rights, but about responsibility. As Christians. And man, if nothing else in this past year, year and a half, the politics and then the, the COVID virus and everything that's gone along with all this time, how many times have you heard or seen arguments about my rights, yeah. our rights? I understand that. I'm human, I understand that. But for Christians, we ought not be, my rights, you're taking away my rights. As Christians, we ought to be saying, oh God, what is my responsibility here? What, what is it that I need to do? How should I use my freedom here? Because let me say to you, the freedom is not just about being able to take off a mask. Freedom is about freely choosing to put one on, right? And as me say, I mean, I, you know, there's lots of reasons, and some of you watching, you know, you may be part of our church family here, and, and some of, I know how some of you felt early on, but, 
you know, there, there are people who are not here worshiping with us and they have their good reasons. They have health reasons why or other things and concerns, I get that. But let me tell you what I, I know has shown up around the country, if not just, not so much here. And that is that, well, I'm, if I gotta wear a mask, I'm not going back to church. I am free not to wear, I, I won't go until I don't have to wear a mask. And you're also free to choose to love God and to love your brothers and sisters enough and you're free to highly value your church relationship enough to say, I'll put on a mask for that, right? I'm talking about our attitudes here. For Christians, we are not to be demanders of rights. Is it, is it appropriate in times to talk about in our country? Yeah, there are certain rights, we need to protect these rights, we do. All those conversations are, are great and need to happen, right time, right place, right attitudes. But for Christians, we, all of our freedom always has to be, I need to be responsible here in the use of my freedom. Whatever, I don't use mass as an example because it's so in our faces, literally. So see the things that God tells the Christians about freedom, Galatians 5 and verse 13. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. You're being responsible here, okay? Next uh, passage here. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. You need to be careful when you use your freedom. How does this affect the people around me? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but all, not all things edify. I'm responsible to use my freedom in a way that builds me up and helps to build you up. That's what I'm supposed to do with my freedom. And then uh, in chapter 10, therefore, sort of a summary statement, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. See, that's what I'm supposed to do with my freedom. God has given me the ability to choose to somehow or other glorify him. He has given me the authority to make that decision. I have a responsibility. I should use my freedom to glorify God. You know, that might change how you think about your life. When you start seeing your freedom that way. And understand this, all these things that we're talking about choosing, it is the use of our freedom that will be evaluated at the judgment seat of Christ. You know, if you are, have never received Jesus as your savior, you, you aren't even sure what that means. The Bible tells us that um, we've all sinned, we've all done our own thing, we all have an honored God, we've, we all are separated from him because of it, we are spiritually dead because of it. But that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus into the world, his son who lived a perfect and sinless life, died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, rises again from the dead, and now offers to us, if you'll be just honest with yourself before God and say, yeah, I have sinned, I am separated from you, I need a savior. And you choose to put your faith in Jesus as your savior. His payment for your sins becomes the payment for your sins, personally. If you make that decision, you do that just by saying, oh God, I do believe that, that is me. I, I believe in Jesus, I receive Jesus. Every sin gets forgiven. 
You have eternal life when this life is over and actually you already got it. It's already started for you and then God himself moves in and starts changing you from the inside out. If you haven't made that decision, let me encourage you, make that decision. Even this moment, you don't have to wait to say, God, that's me and I, I do that. Once we do that, we are believers in Jesus Christ. We have been changed deep down inside, right? God has moved in. And we now are making choices about what am I going to do with my life? How am I going to pursue my relationships? What am I going to do with the things that God has entrusted to me? Opportunities and time and my body and my money and all of those things. And, and he's given us the ability to make those choices. He's authorized us to make those choices and then we as Christians, when our life is over and at the appropriate time in the future there, however God has it laid out, and we find ourselves standing before Christ, not to find out if we get to heaven, we're already there, but to find out how we did. Do you see it's the decisions we made with our freedom that will be evaluated? Will you be evaluated on the basis of who your parents were? You had no control of that, did you? Will you be evaluated by, you know, the fact that a tree fell on you and killed you dead? No, out of your control. Will you be evaluated on all the choices you freely made in life? Yeah. Man, your freedom's a big deal, isn't it? I think your freedom is a bigger deal than you realized. So, some key truths today. We've already touched on them. Key truths. First one is that God has entrusted us with freedom and he values it highly. And if he values it highly, he's entrusted to it and he says it's important, then it's what? Important. I need to value it highly. And by the way, I need to value your freedom highly. We need to value human freedom. Okay? Second truth. For Christian freedom is not about rights, but about responsibility. Then take that home with you. Live that way. Three personal takeaways. Something that, yeah, I want you to, this is for you to say, to believe, to act on. First one is this. God has given me freedom and expects me to use it responsibly. God has, right? I'm going to make free choices this afternoon and this tonight and tomorrow. And, and rather than not thinking about it, consciously think about that once in a while. Wow, God has given me the freedom to make this choice. Okay, I'm gonna make, I want to make this choice in a way that's responsible and good and right. Now, and we didn't talk a lot about this, but this is, we saw it as we went by today, that I and others will experience the consequences of my free choices. So I'm choosing freely. I need to remember there's something that comes with that choice. If you haven't received Jesus as Savior and you die in that condition, that choice is settled forever in hell. If you have, yeah, whatever choice. That is, it comes with consequences. And sadly, when we make bad choices with our freedom, we usually aren't the only ones to get hurt. So remember that as you look at your choices. And then finally, here's the commitment. I choose to use my freedom only for God's good purposes. Well, what about this and that? Can I do this? But it, just 
stop and say, wait a minute, God, I want to use my freedom for your good purposes. What is that here? What does that look like here? And God whispers in your ear, the heart of your ear, you're the ear of your heart. He whispers and says, well, what would be the loving thing to do? You're free to do that. Freedom. What an amazingly wonderful gift from God that is entrusted to us to use for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and now you, you give the foundation in your word, Lord, for all the things that we need to know and understand so we can live lives that are pleasing to you, lives that will be a blessing to us and others. I pray, Father, that we would be conscious of our freedom and as we celebrate our freedom next week Memorial Day weekend and Independence Day and other times Lord as a country I pray that we would always be reminded that you have entrusted to each of us freedom which we need to use responsibly and lovingly for you I do pray Father again for anyone here who hasn't received your son as Savior or watching or listening Lord Please stir their hearts, draw them to you in such a way that they see it and that they respond and they use their freedom to choose, Lord, to receive your Son as Savior. Oh, Lord, work in our lives. We're so grateful that you do. Help us to see it. Challenge us to be cooperative. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you. Have a great week. And uh, we'll see you all and hopefully many more of you here next Sunday.